You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. And we've got another edition of Bloomberg Business Week Talks. Lucky for us, we've got David Abney. He's the chairman and CEO of UPS. Great to have you here on radio and television, David. Glad to be here. So, you know, it's so funny. I feel like every day there's a story about either Amazon trying to get packages, you know, faster to folks or FedEx. I'm just curious, is that what the business has kind of whittled down to? It's just about getting things there faster and cheaper? Time is certainly a big key now. And uh, this new generation has just uh, really gotten used to wanting things right away. And we see that it's really driven uh, good characteristics in our industry. I mean, the focus on next day air and having things delivered uh, the next day versus a deferred method, that really is where our specialty is, is our focus. So we are really encouraged by what we see in those areas. And how much do you have to sort of revise the strategy or revise sort of the roadmap in the near term to speed it up? And at at what point do you have to really change things in in the supply chain, as it were? You know, the key is to listen to our customers. And if you will listen, they'll tell you what they're needing and what they're looking for. And... uh, and right now, there are, are certain things, the reliability, the, the fact of uh, the brand that UPS, the trust that people have in our, uh, in our brand, the fact that, uh, that they can depend on us on a day-to-day basis, then those are the things that we're focused on. And as long as we keep aligned with our customers' needs, we're going to be in great shape. So FedEx saying seven days a week, every day, every month, every day of the year, doesn't matter, not just holiday season. Does that make you guys go back and have another strategy season, uh, strategy session back at UPS? You know, we constantly reviewed the needs of our customers, and, and what we were hearing just recently was not only the Saturday uh, ground that uh, that our competitors also provide as we do, but the fact that we deliver to businesses on Saturday where they don't. And we pick up packages on Saturday that can actually be delivered Monday. And, uh, and in over 170 countries in the world, by picking up on Saturday, we can deliver on Monday. That's been our key. We are starting to hear a little more about the need for Sunday delivery. But you're not ready to do it? We are looking at it right now. And, uh, and in our last contract that just recently got ratified, we have language that covers us for Saturday and Sunday. So we are pretty far down the path, and, you know, we will talk about it. We have more to review. And strategically, how much do you worry about Amazon? Are they a frenemy? Are they a friend? Are they an enemy? Are they a competitor? All of the above depends on the business? You know, this world has gotten way more complicated than having someone labeled as a competitor or a customer. It is oftentimes. It's a combination of both, and you just have to accept that. The key is making sure that we have mutually beneficial relationships. And as long as we do, then that's the path that, uh, that we're following. So I would not say that we worry about uh, Amazon. We respect them, just like we respect uh, uh, others that may be our competitors in certain parts of our business. But if we stay focused on doing our job and implementing our transformation and carrying out our strategies, 
then we feel very comfortable in our position. Well, talk to us about that transformation plan because I've been at Worldport in Louisville and it's pretty fascinating just logistically what you guys are doing. And it's not just, and I say just in quotation marks, it's about getting packages from A to point B, but you're working with the healthcare sector and other sectors. Give us an idea of as you transform the company, how much becomes more of those transformations versus what you're doing today? I will. We are 112 years old, so we've probably been through five major transformations in the history of our company. This is one of those. And the message we're giving to our people is this is continuous transformation. There's not a beginning. There's not an end. The way the business world is changing, this is a way of life. And we really believe that our people have accepted that. We focused in three particular areas. Mm -hmm. First of which is high quality revenue growth. Second is uh, increasing our efficiency using a lot of technology. And third is broadening our management team and our culture. Cultures are like anything else, they have to change with the times. The sense of urgency is much more, making decisions is much more important now. And that's where we're focusing our leadership team. I got to ask you, though, culture, because so much of UPS culture, like yourself, is someone who has grown up within the company, and many past CEOs have been that way. How much of that works today? How much of that doesn't? And that you've got to really bring in inside, or rather outside views and outside individuals. That's right. I'm a big supporter of promotions from, from, yeah. from within because I have benefited, and so have a lot of other UPSers. It's a real strength of our company, the way we know our business. At the same time, though, with the way things are changing, we do need other expertise and other perspectives and point of, points of view. And that's why of our 12-person uh, management committee, I have brought three people in from the outside. I'm also promoting UPSers at the same time. But we need that mix, that hybrid view that gets us the best of both worlds. And when you think about the company sort of looking around the corner, it's part of your job as the chairman and the CEO, what's the biggest existential threat you think to UPS that you really worry about the most? And the one that I would worry about the most is within our control is absolutely the pace of change. Mm -hmm. We are changing this company and we're changing it rapidly, especially compared to the past. The, the real hurdle, though, is we've got to change ahead of our customers. And so that's the thing that we talk about all the time and that we focus on. And then, of course, there's always uh, government policy issues that you worry about and you try to influence and express yourself. But really, internally, it's that making decisions as quick as we need to make them. Government policies, U.S.-China trade, you guys have talked about how that, I think on your latest earnings call, is impacting forecasts for the industry. It's going on longer and longer than we all thought. What are your, what's your thinking now about where it ends? Are we in some, you know, cold war that between the United States and China that goes on for a long time? China's going to be an important market or is an important market for you guys? China is an important market to our customers, which makes it important to us. And we do support, though, that uh, policies to try to enforce and get China to live up to their WTO obligations. And so fully supportive there. At the same time, the longer this does stretch out though, we have more customers that are exploring through the flexibility of our network supply chain changes that once they make those changes, whether we have a trade deal or not later on, those changes probably don't get reversed. 
So I think we still have time to, and we've really encouraged leaders on both sides of, uh, of the pond, so to speak, to find an agreement that works because time is not our friend here. The longer this drugs out, the more supply chains are going to change. So tell me a little bit about growing up, because you grew up in Mississippi, right? I did. You have a little bit of a southern t- twang. <laughs> I do, still. Tell me about um, your parents, your family, your life. I lived in a small town in Mississippi. Of course, that would be most of the towns. Born probably, in Cleveland, right? Born in Cleveland, Mississippi, not Ohio, yes. everyone thinks. And uh, and then grew up in Greenwood, and uh, it's really just small community playing in the neighborhood, and uh, and to me, I thought it was a, a big town because it was really all that I I knew at the time. Right. And uh, and I really credit a lot of uh, of my career later on to this upbringing, this sense of values that I was taught from a very early age. In, uh, in our neighborhood, you didn't worry just about your parents if you were misbehaving. I mean, everyone was authorized right. to to let you know if you were going in the wrong direction. And I think you just learned a sense of accountability and learned a, a sense of values. So I wouldn't replace it uh, for anything. Well, Marie and Tom, your parents, right? Yes. Tell me about them specifically. Yeah, my father was an uh, insurance salesman and and I would say that I definitely got my determination from him. And uh, he was always totally focused, and and I think I learned that from him. And the fact that early on he saw that I was about the most unmechanical child he had <laughs> ever seen. And so he told me, son, don't you're going to you're gonna have to use your brain, and you're going to have to apply yourself because you're going to be paying people to do a lot of things for you because it just wasn't he said that my to you. Yes. Well, I always do wonder about when somebody, is there something in your childhood that kind of determined where you were going to be later in life? And I, I'm not saying that, I don't know, did you think that you were going to be CEO? But that might be a little crazy, but just that you wanted to run something. And I don't know if you thought about that when you were younger. You have to remember in my my neighborhood, not only was it a very small town, there were no CEOs in my neighborhood. Yeah. And they certainly wouldn't have been in where I lived because we were on the, the lower end of the spectrum. So didn't think in terms of like that. What I did know from an early age, though, and it's a positive most of the time, is if someone tells me that I can't do something, it becomes my mission <laughs> in life. So even things that are well-intentioned, well, you know, Really, no one in our family has ever done anything like that. That automatically triggered a reaction in me. And so I was the first to attend college and and graduate uh, in college and really the first one to move out of Mississippi. And I think it was always felt like that uh, even with well-intentioned comments that sometimes people were telling me what I couldn't do. And there's some great stories. Uh, I know your company shared with me, though, about that sometimes you didn't drive home and you slept on couches at college. You did some of that? You know, I will have to say that some of those stories <laughs> have grown over the years. Okay. What was reality? Set the record straight, David. That's right. Reality on college campuses uh, is I worked at nice, and then when I got off, we would— uh, we wouldn't start studying until midnight because that was against the rules, right? So then I'd stay up three hours or so and then have to get up at uh, 8. 
And so I would attend the class, a couple of classes. Then I would go <laughs> to the uh, union building, and I would pull my shoes off, go to sleep <laughs> on the couch. Next thing I know, 30 years later, I hear, well, he didn't have a place to stay, so he slept at the union building. Not quite that way. Everybody's hearing it. He's setting the uh, record straight, David Abney, about that. So first job, UPS. 1974. That's right. 18, 19? I was 18. Okay. And I was a, a loader. Well, they told me I was going to load packages, and I did, but I also cut the grass and uh, swept the floors. I was really at the bottom of this totem pole, and it was a job to get me through college. That's the way I looked at it. Until I was 19, and I had a center manager actually put his arm on my shoulder one day, tell me what a great company UPS was what he had seen in me, and he thought that I could have a great career and that I really should consider. And I was going to school to be a history professor. I became a UPS employee for life that night. Is that the um, individual who was a mentor to you? Because I know that there was somebody, I thought, that was a manager from a a small town at UPS. Yes. Now, that was a later person uh, after I went into management. But this person... uh, and, you know, when you're 19, there's not a lot of people telling you how great you are, and they, <laughs> other than your parents, and they have to say it. Right. And, uh, and so that really, and I think it's what makes our company special is that we can touch people for life if we take the time to get to know them and recognize them. And uh, I thank this guy for, for the rest of my days mm. and, uh, and haven't seen him in 30-something years, but he really affected me. So here we are in 2019. You started at UPS in 1974. You've been at UPS your whole professional life. I have. Did you ever think about going somewhere else? You know, I can't. Now I'm sure there may have been a <laughs> night that I'm going, what the heck, right? But I don't remember that. Uh, it has been uh, 45 years, and uh, and I'm telling you, I look forward to it every day. It starts out as a job. It became a career. And then it becomes a way of life. Yeah. It really does. And so you're talking to me about uh, my career, but we have a lot of UPSers that have that similar right. career path. And multiple jobs. You've been in New Jersey. You've been on the West Coast. You've been overseas, correct? You know, I had our international operations, but I never actually oh, lived overseas. you didn't overseas. go overseas. But okay. you have to remember, I grew up in Mississippi. Then I was transferred to Tennessee. When I was transferred to New Jersey— which was totally out of my David, you're going to hurt me right now, but go ahead. (laughs) To me, it was like an international assignment just because UPS had identified that I needed exposure and I needed to be taken out of my comfort zone. And uh, I would not be in the job I am today if I had not gone to New Jersey. I found out there is a different way of life. I'm born and bred in New Jersey. I don't know if you know that. Um, I want to ask you what... um, what do you think UPS is going to look like in a decade? It's very exciting to see where the company has gone. And then when you think a decade out, you can magnify anything I tell you probably by two or three times because that's how quick things are changing. Yeah. But one of the biggest is that the consumer, for the first time in my lifetime, has got the power. It was always companies. It was always shippers. It was manufacturers. And then you bought the best thing that you could find based right. on what was provided. Today, it's all about the consumer. Because of the volume? It's about the volume, but it's through the Internet. The consumer has a voice. And whether it's through social networking or in other avenues, 
they make many of the decisions. So our company has had to migrate that it's not only the shipper, the person that pays us for the shipment, but it's also the end consumer that's our customer. That's going to continue to progress. The other thing is from a global uh, aspect. You know, 5% of the world's consumers live in the U.S., and uh, global trade is going to continue to expand. And so our company is going to be much more global even than it is today. I'm curious what you think is the toughest long-term strategy decision that you're working on right now. It is technology and this rapidly evolving technology. We can take the latest things that we can do now with technology and do things for our customers we couldn't even think about five years ago. The way that we can uh, use predictive and prescriptive analytics and be able to solve problems before they even occur, right. which we couldn't do that in the past. And to be able to connect with our customers' supply chains so much today. So technology is the biggest opportunity that we will have in that decade you're talking about. It could also be the biggest challenge because if we don't embrace it and if we don't apply it, Someone will. We had to make sure it's us. I want to ask you, what uh, competitor do you most admire and why? That I have heard a lot of questions <laughs> about competitors before, but I have not heard the admire. I'll tell you this. Uh, but we uh, learn from our world around us. That's right. I believe that uh, I don't have the view that any of our competitors are bad companies or bad people. You know, I mm-hmm. think that... Now, I'm, I'm a little bit preferential. I prefer UPS over the others, but I think they're good companies. I think what separates us is that we put so much focus on the customer, and we have put so many of our investments in our global logistics network that I just think we're the best of the competitors. You're not going to give me a competitor that you admire? You know, How about an individual or a leader? You know, I would. Uh, there are a lot of, of individuals that were out there. I'll talk about. Uh, I think a uh, there's a recently retired person uh, uh, from FedEx, Mike Ducker, that I've always had a lot of respect for. We had international businesses at the same time, but I also have to tell you that there's 500,000 UPSers that I prefer even more. So if you want to know my favorite people in the industry. It's the 500,000 UPSers that I am going through this journey with. You are a good CEO. I've gone out with one of your drivers, put on the brown uniform, and I know how hard they work. One last question. When you retire, are you really thinking about getting a master's degree? You know, Or is that I, another, another not quite story? I think that story. was something at, uh, at one time that I had thought about. One is I've been so busy and I'm having so much fun. I haven't really even thought about retirement. But uh, Right now, I would say that when I do retire, that my master's may very well be in these seven grandkids that I have. <laughs> and uh, so they're going to get the most of my attention. So, David Abney, obviously your employers and your family are very important to you. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much.